If you're a, a dad, a father, or a grandfather this morning, I want to honour you and bless you in what I say. I'm going to share some thoughts around the acrostic father, and they're not thoughts to make you say, oh, you should be like this or you should be like that. Rather, my conviction is, is I explain to you what a biblical Christian father looks like. You're going to go, you know what, for all my struggles, for all the challenges in life, I'm doing some things right. I'm being a father to my family. I believe in these last days, one of Satan's most significant ways of breaking down the nuclear family, dividing Christian homes, is to attack the identity of the dads. Remember about 20 years ago when The Simpsons first came out, I thought, how strange, you know, that this guy, Mr. Simpson's the dumbest in the family, he's always doing stupid things, and even the youngest baby girl in the family is more intelligent than Bart Simpson. But, you know, when I saw that on TV, when I saw that program, I noticed there's a shift in our culture. I noticed going back, what would that be, 20 years when Simpsons came out? Ads would change on TV, sitcoms would change. So instead of dad being a loving protector, a hard worker, a provider, uh, someone who wants to serve his family, bring fun to his family, dad became presented on TV, particularly in the ads, as the dumbest, the most childish member of the family. And when I see that on TV, and TV reflects cultural mind shifts, I want to scream, it's wrong. Dads are so important. Fathers are so important. And the world might say your identity isn't significant. You haven't got a particular role to play. I believe the word of God says you have a significant role to play. And fathers, you can make a difference, whether you're a a, a stepfather, a foster father, a father of, of children, a father of grandchildren. Your life matters, and there's power and significance in the way that you live out your faith and you do life in front of your family. A month ago, we looked at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 to 5. And we read a description of the moral and spiritual broken world in the last season of life before the return of Jesus. And people say, well, Russell, if there's moral decay coming and it's prophesied, what can we do about it? What can we do in the face of families breaking down and moral decay in society? And I want to respond to that by saying, oh, I know several answers But one of the biggest answers that this society needs today is godly men who will stand up and say, I see a tidal wave coming. I see a confusion and crazy teaching coming against my family, against my kids. Uh, The world's trying to mess up my family, but I will stand in the midst of the tidal wave and I'll not be shaken. And I believe there are dads and granddads like that in this church, and I honour you for it. I really believe that the hope of this season... So much of the hope of the season rests on our, our fathers. We're living in a society in a time where there's, Satan's trying to drive a wedge between creator God and humanity. He's trying to say to people, God's not relevant. All religions are the same. Just love everyone. It's all about tolerance. And on the face of it, it looks like the, the, the opinion of the world is just it's insurmountable. It's huge. What can we do about it? I believe, friends, that in this generation, there's a need for fathers like there's never been before. 
There's a need for dads to be honoured and recognised. There's a need for dads to say, no matter what the world teaches, no matter what's going down, I know what's in the Bible. I know for whom I'm standing and I'm not afraid of sharing truth and living by God's standards in front of my kids and in front of my neighbours. I thank God that his grace can help us navigate uh, the gender confusion that's out there at the moment. His grace can help dads navigate the fear and anxiety that our teenagers are facing. That because he's a perfect father, he's able to help and direct those that have an important role, the important role of being a dad in this age. I want to take the acrostic father and take the first letter, F. And I want to suggest to you that F in father stands for faithful or faith-filled. There's a lot of compelling statistics from Promise Keepers New Zealand about what happens when a dad believes. And it's significant what happens when mums and aunties and grandparents believe. That's hugely significant. But the stats would say if dad's a praying person, if dad's a man of the word, if dad's committed to things of the kingdom, the impact of the father's faith is disproportionate on the family and those in the generations that follow him. A number of times I've sat down with godly leaders and I've talked about how do they come to faith? Why do they believe? Why are they so strong in their faith? And they've recounted to me stories of growing up in their home and maybe coming into the lounge in the early hours. And when they come into the lounge in the early hours, they hear their father praying for the family or praying for the extended relatives. Or they come into the lounge in the early hours to get breakfast, they wake up too early and there's dad with his Bible open just pouring over the scriptures and sharing his heart with our father in heaven. Kids see that. Kids see real faithfulness in the midst of challenge and it makes a difference. It opens up their faith to a real and a living God. You know, when we do life, friends, there's never going to be a season in life where there aren't challenges. There's always challenges. And Christians, we face some incredible challenges at times. But when a loving father, when a faith-filled father faces a challenge with faith and says, this is who I am in God, this is what God says about the world, this is how God says to live, and I'm going to live by his word, I'm going to demonstrate that and live it out, kids see that. And it ignites faith in our children and the generations that follow like nothing else. The Bible says it's impossible to please God without faith. But I want to say to you that when you've got faith, you can change so many things, impact so many lives going forward, especially those people under your roof that you would die for, that you love so profoundly. I sometimes imagine what it must have been like for Noah. He's a man of God. He worships in front of his kids. He loves the Lord. And there's never been rain and there's never been a boat built. And God says to Noah, Noah, I want you to build a boat and it's going to be a flood. And that couldn't have made any sense at all to that father. But that father heard the word of God. He demonstrated faith. He said, I'm going to start building. And for a hundred years to protect his family, to save his family, he builds a boat in the face of incredible ridicule. And I want to say to your dads that we're living in a time where people mock Christianity People think we're narrow-minded and dumb. But when you're teaching your kids truth, when you're demonstrating faith in your home, let me tell you something. When the world tries to drain, drown your kids in confusion and self-esteem issues, you're building a boat that will cause your kids to be saved, your family to be saved, 
and stay connected with God. You're doing something significant. F stands for faithful. A stands for authentic. Now, friends, I really try and work hard to understand the emerging youth culture, and that changes every five minutes. It really does. And I admire people like Pastor Matt and others who are just so uh, committed and involved in reaching young people. We've recently, in the Sunday afternoons in the workshops, done the Steiger course. And on the Steiger course, Ben Pierce talks about what's global youth culture look like and how can we reach them. And one of the wonderful things that I discover as I listen to people teach about youth culture is this. This generation, like no other generation, is looking for authentic Christians. A stands for authentic and father. It used to be when I was a teenager that if you prayed for ten people and one was healed and nine weren't, you'd wrestle with the fact that nine people weren't healed. And you'd try and justify it and you'd try harder and you'd pray more and you'd fast more and you'd you know, try and get a better result than one out of ten. This generation now, dads, are so tuned into what's authentic, what's real, that if you say, look, I'm struggling, I've prayed for ten people, only one's been healed, they will thank you for being so honest. They will thank you for being so real. You know, I believe the generation of young people that we have now on this planet, they can sniff out fakes so quickly. It's not possible to say, look, don't, you know, do as I say, not as I do, which used to be an old phrase many years ago. It's not possible. Uh, children, young people of this generation, they see what's real and they respond to it. And if you're being a father, a faithful father, and you're being authentic, you're letting your kids see what happens when you're struggling and when you're praying and when you're thinking through issues, their faith will raise and their lives will be better. I so admired Joseph, Jesus' stepdad. You know, Joseph heard that his fiancée was pregnant and he couldn't get his head around it. And scripture doesn't hide the fact that Joseph is just wrestling, what do I do? My fiancée's pregnant, she must have been unfaithful. And scripture catches the fact that he was authentic, he was real. And he struggled with the issue, and yet God said, marry the girl. It's a divine conception. God's hand's in it, and he obeys God. That's what authentic dads look like. That's what godly fathers do. Fathers are faithful. Fathers are authentic. T stands for teacher. Now, there are families in this church who are so good at raising their kids and their grandkids. I'd love to be a fly on the wall when they're doing devotion time and family time. So gifted. But I want to say to you, even if you struggle to teach the word to your kids or your grandkids, even if you struggle to find a right approach or a right devotion, you'll still be making a difference by teaching your kids. If mums and dads don't teach their children how to think through the big issues of life, I'll guarantee you social media and their friends will fill in the gaps that you've left. It's our responsibility. It's our opportunity. I remember my little girl when she was four years old going to kindergarten. And um, we've taught Bible stories to us from a young age and just the very simple things of Scripture. And at the kindergarten, she was skipping along holding hands with her best friend, a lovely little girl that she was friends with. And the kindergarten teacher said to her, look, so wonderful nowadays, you know, you can marry a girl if you want to, to my little girl. 
And my little girl didn't bat an eyelid. She just said, that's just silly. God made boys to marry girls. End of conversation. Just carried on playing with a friend. And it struck me that even those little seeds that you sow in at a young age, man, when they face those decisions, when the enemy comes against them to try and confuse them and mess them up, the truth of God's still there. And it helps them steer a course and a better future for them. We often played a game with our kids as we were growing up. I, I've always been someone who, just, I'm almost allergic to debt. I just don't do debt. I don't like debt. And um, as my kids were growing up, all those scriptures about, oh, no man, nothing but the debt of love, you know, or being content, or count your blessings, they, they always stuck in my head. And so when the ads came on TV and it, the ad would say, look, if you buy this product, all the girls would fall in love with you. Or if you bought this product, you'll be so much younger. I used to turn to my kids and say, is that the truth? They'd go, no, it's rubbish, Dad, you know. And we'd even go out to shopping malls every now and then. And there would be big TVs on sale, half price, you know, and things like that. And I'd say, do we need it? Do we need that TV? And they'd go, no, we don't, Dad. And the funny thing is, I was just teaching them biblical principles. But I believe all those games and those conversations have steered them well, now that they're adults. And I believe that those games and those conversations will steer my grandkids well because of what my kids picked up from us. Now, I'm not a perfect teacher. There are people in this church who are just brilliant at the way they raise kids. But what you impart to your kids, dads, fathers, the time you take to teach your kids biblical truth is such a good investment. H stands for humble. Humility is a rare strength in today's generation. We're living in a time when it's all about being me and what makes me happy and what do I feel like doing. And when a father figure in a family is humble and serves a family and puts his wife and kids first, there is something deeply, profoundly beautiful about that. And kids notice. And kids take note of it. Don't be afraid, dads, to show your family that you depend on God that you're not too proud to go to God first and to go to God fast when a situation happens. Children need to see that we're not afraid to admit our weaknesses and ask forgiveness for our faults. I always thought being a dad would be so easy. I've got some training in early childhood. My wife's an early childhood specialist. And I've always been fun with kids. I love kids. I thought, wow, gosh, when I'm a dad, I'm just going to hype them all up and have so much fun together. And it'll be a cruise with the background that my wife and I have. And it wasn't. It was incredibly hard. One of my kids was so hyperactive. Uh, by the age of probably 10 years of age, he was just constantly on people's backs, touching things, breaking things, causing tension with his high levels of energy. And every now and then I'd turn to that kid and I'd say, get out of my face. Just get out of the room. I've had enough. And whenever I did that, the Holy Spirit would come to me quickly and say, Russell, you're to speak life. You're to speak life to that kid. And I'd quickly go out to that young boy and I'd say, son, I'm sorry. You know, I, to love you and I'm to correct you, I'm to discipline you, I'm not to put you down. I'm not to yell at you. And there was something quite unusual took place that when I apologised and said to him on those occasions when that happened, son, I'm sorry, that was not what God wanted me to do. I'm sorry I overreached, I overreacted. The warmth and the bond between my son and I got even closer. If I was humble in myself enough to say, look, I've made a mistake, then it made it so much better for us going forward and for him personally. 
And I think it models something for our kids that they need when they get married one day and raise kids as well. H stands for humble. Humility is a characteristic that God blesses. When the father can say, I'm sorry, when he can put the needs of his kids ahead of his own, he demonstrates something beautiful to his family. E stands for encourager. Ephesians 6 verses 1 to 4. Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Honour your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honour your father and mother, things will go well for you. and You'll have a long life on the earth. Fathers, don't provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Fathers, don't, don't provoke your kids to anger. Fathers, when your kids are doing the wrong thing again, don't ride them, don't rib them, don't come down with all sorts of rules and legislations. Affirm the good they do, quietly and calmly and lovingly. Tell them what you need them to do. But don't provoke them. Don't tease them. You know, Kiwi dads, I, I think teasing other blokes is such a fun thing to do as a Kiwi. And it just comes so incredibly natural. But we don't tease our wives, we don't tease our kids. Because very rarely can a child take a tease without being hurt. So when it comes to teasing, when it comes to the way we speak to them, we're very, very careful to encourage. You know, our kids are going into the world, seeing things on multimedia that makes them look so much less than what they're looking at on their phones. They get that all the time. And fathers, I want to say, fathers, when you spend time with your sons one-on-one and you say, son, I believe in you, son, you can do this. Son, I, I, I've got confidence in your abilities. What you give your son to protect them against anxiety and self-esteem issues and peer pressure is an incredible gift. When the dad spends time with his daughter and they go for a walk or they go out for a meal together or something, and the dad says to his daughter, you know, girl, you are so intelligent and your ideas are so important and you're a beautiful person. You know the impact on that little girl of the father's words? They protect her going forward. People can't manipulate her and use her and put her down when her father's been speaking truth into her life, encouraging her. We're living in a world where it's it's not just a tall poppy syndrome. It would seem to me that people just like to find fault and criticise and compare. In fact, you've got to get lots of likes and lots of followers in this world. And if it's not happening... If someone posts an unhelpful comment, a hurtful comment, it can really cut kids down. But Father, the words that you speak over your kids consistently, that protects their little hearts as they grow up so they can do well. Be an encourager. Direct them through your leadership. Never damage them or legislate. Uh, People have often said to me, look, you know, when kids become teenagers, it's going to be rough. They get all of a sudden going to go from awful kids to rebellious and grumpy and moody and, and it's going to be awful. Prepare yourself for it. When they become teenagers, it's going to be awful. It's not true. It's not true. When wonderful kids that are loved and listened to and nurtured and humbly served and respected become awesome teenagers, your role might move a bit more away from being the teacher to a coach, but the relationship can get even better. It can get even better. Don't expect it to be difficult in the teenage years. Encourage them, love them, listen to them, build them up, and they can be your best years of parenting your kids. If you're an encouraging dad, a listening dad, a fair dad, those teenage years can be times of great blessing for you, times of great joy. You'll transition from being the directive, protective teacher 
to a much-loved coach, and they'll always appreciate it. Finally, R in Father stands for rock. And I noticed that the launch kids are thinking of making Dad, you're my rock, uh, on the rock signs out the back there today too, which is great. In a world that's constantly changing, in a world where people are being put down and it's not clear where things are going, dads are needed to be rocks. Fathers that will prove themselves again and again to be loving and supportive and predictable when their kids come to them in needs, when their kids face difficult situations. Your presence will make them feel secure and consequently they'll do well in life. They'll know they can always come to you and find a safe place to talk through the issues in life that they're facing. Show them that you care. Show them compassion. Show them who you really are. Don't be afraid to tell your kids' dads that you love them. Don't be afraid to give them plenty of hugs. Show them that you can be relied on to always do the right thing and to fulfill your promises to them. They'll come to see you as a strong person, their security and their hero. I like that first action hero video because I think that's true. If dads are consistently caring, consistently loving, consistently supporting, kids will say, you know, my dad's my rock. How many times have you heard that? Such a beautiful testimony to hear from a young person. Studies have shown that when a young person feels their father's love, they are much less likely to make bad choices and end up in prison or self-harming. Fathers in a world that belittles you, and it does. Turn on the TV. It just, and look at the sitcoms. It just belittles dads. I want to say to the dads in this room, your call of God, you're significant. The way you're living your life, the things that you're teaching, the example you're giving, that is making a difference to some beautiful little people. You're going to grow up to great, world-changing people. You're making a difference. You're called of God. You're anointed of God. Your role is significant. Dads, continue to be faithful. Continue to be authentic. Continue to teach. Continue to serve humbly and be an encourager. Dad, be a rock to your family. I love the fact that... um, Don shared this interaction with the father before the service, before I I share these words this morning. Because there are people in this room that go, you know what, my dad wasn't perfect. And there are people in this room that maybe only see your kids once a month or once a fortnight in the weekends. You can communicate to your kids what you didn't have if you can really just get to know the father in heaven and enjoy him on a daily basis. A lot of people say, look, my childhood was terrible. I wouldn't wish that on anyone. That's great. You don't have to pass it on. You don't have to repeat your dad's mistakes because you've got a perfect father in heaven there to resource you in every situation. A father in whom there is no darkness at all. A father who's full of compassion. A father who's just just and fair. A father who's a shield and a refuge. A father who never sleeps or changes. A father will always care for his family 24-7. You've got a perfect father to draw on. Psalm 125 verse 1 says, Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be shaken but endures forever. Dads, granddads, we're praying that God will help you be that rock for your family. Now a lot of people, when you're growing up, there are songs that, remind you of a faith experience. 
When I was a young man in Whangaratapaa Baptist Church, year seven, year eight, they used to sing this hymn very often, Be Thou My Vision. I'm going to get some guys and Jess to come up and join me. And if you're a dad this morning and you're thinking, wow, can I really do it? Can I really keep my kids on the straight? Can I really keep that relationship close? Can I really be calm and humble and supportive in every situation? This beautiful prayer is a prayer we used to sing when I was an intermediate age young man. And to me, if I sing, be thou my vision, a lot of my heart, if I make Christ my focus, if I'm looking toward him and asking him for resources and help, then I can do the impossible. And I can be that rock for my kids and my grandkids the way they need me to be.